Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, a familiar passage, Isaiah chapter 6, and the text is Isaiah 6, 1 through 7, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Hear God's word. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this, Your Word. We thank You that in Jesus Christ You have been pleased to reveal Yourself in this, Your Word. We thank You that long ago You revealed Yourself to Isaiah as recorded here, we thank you that we may anticipate your revealing yourself to us through Jesus Christ. And as this is the case, and as we see Jesus Christ, the King of glory, we pray that each of us might find rest and safety and Uh, consolation in Him. Uh, So be pleased to bless us tonight as we uh, do take a look at this text and uh, contemplate, Father, the uh, application of it uh, to our own lives, we pray, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen. The little girl, uh, Isabel, uh, was a foster child, and because of the abuse that she suffered at the hands of her own mother, she would wake up at night screaming 
because of nightmares. And our daughter, Gail, would hold her close and hug her so that she would have a sense of safety. And Gail also taught her to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And uh, this little example of uh, a little life uh, helps us to understand that uh, it is in Jesus Christ, ultimately, uh, that you and I find safety and find rest. Uh, The text before us is a vision uh, seen by Isaiah. And it's a grand vision. And it's a vision of Jesus Christ and the glory of Jesus Christ the King. And by way of application with this text, I'm encouraging you, as I encourage myself, to find rest and safety in Jesus Christ the King. And... Uh, so, uh, the title of the sermon is, Behold Your King. And the application is, Find Rest and Safety in Him. Uh, the text begins with uh, a simple uh, note concerning uh, King Uzziah. In the year of King Uzziah's death, King Uzziah died in the year 740 B.C., a long time ago. And King Uzziah had a very prosperous reign for over 40 years of his reign. He expanded the southern kingdom of Judah to historic and historic size. And the kingdom was very prosperous uh, under his reign. Uh, But after 40 years or 42 years uh, of his reign, uh, because of the way things have been going for him, uh, he became prideful and boastful and arrogant. And he took to himself uh, the prerogative of going into the temple and uh, placing incense on the altar of incense in the temple, which was the prerogative of the high priest family and of those priests alone. And God struck him with leprosy. And so his son Jotham was king for the last ten years of Uzziah's reign as he was set aside because of leprosy. And after that, there was a slow and steady decline of Judah, which ended in its subjugation to Rome. And not coincidentally, 
about the time of Uzziah's death, the city of Rome was founded. And the seeds of the Roman Empire that would conquer Judah were sown. Not only in what we know as Italy, but in Judah itself. In times of trouble and trauma, often in Scripture, we see the Lord reveal Himself. Back in verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Isaiah is no doubt in the temple in Jerusalem, and he's caught up in a great vision of the Lord, and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. It's as though he's looking into heaven itself. Uh, We're kind of reminded of the visions of uh, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. Uh, Isaiah uh, has the opportunity to look into heaven itself, and he sees the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on His throne. He sees the King, the King of glory, the King of the universe. And just so we understand uh, this correctly, uh, this Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, If you look down uh, to get uh, our bearings a little bit, look at verse 10 in Isaiah chapter 6. The Lord says to Isaiah, Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Now if you would, keep your finger there in Isaiah chapter 6 and turn to the New Testament. Well, you might just have to click on the New Testament. John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verses 36 and following in John chapter 12. Actually, I'm breaking into the middle of verse 36 in John chapter 12. Jesus has been ministering. And it says, These things Jesus spoke, and He went away and hid Himself from them. But though He had performed many signs before them, yet they were not believing in Him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh, A quote from Isaiah 53 and verse 1. Uh, For this reason they could not believe, for Isaiah uh, said again, He has blinded their eyes and He hardened their heart so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and heal them. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10, uh, that we just read. See, a reference back to Isaiah 6 and verse 41 then. These things Isaiah said, why? Because he saw his glory, that is the glory of Jesus Christ. And he spoke of him. Uh, You see, this is a reference back to the vision that Isaiah had in the temple. And so we go back to Isaiah chapter 6 and note again, I saw the Lord 
And uh, this is a pre-incarnate visitation by way of vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. A revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ sitting upon His throne, high and lifted up. And uh, the uh, uh, robes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, You have to get this picture uh, in your mind. flowing down from the throne in heaven into the courts of the temple and filling the courts of the temple so that there was no place to stand without those robes enfolding you in the court of the temple. What a vision of Jesus Christ Isaiah has. And as this vision unfolds, we see that the praises of heaven break out and the earth shakes because of the presence of the Lord. Verses 2, 3, and 4. The seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled. They shook at the voice of Him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Angelic beings attend uh, the Lord of hosts, uh, the great King who is seated upon His throne. The seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. These angelic figures, the highest of the angelic host, it is supposed, having six wings, and with two they covered their face, shielding themselves from the resplendent glory of the Lord permeating throughout heaven. And with two they covered their feet in reverence to the great God of heaven. And with two, they hovered around the throne. And when you read the text, you you get the idea that, oh, there's just two or three or four of these seraphim. But no, this is likely not the case. When uh, Daniel has a vision of the uh, Ancient of Days in uh, Daniel chapter 7, the Ancient of Days has an entourage of myriads and myriads. And when you read about uh, the uh, our, our coming to worship in uh, the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, uh, the book of Hebrews uh, says to us uh, that we come uh, to the living God. Uh, we come to the new Jerusalem. Uh, we come uh, to the heavenly city. And we come to myriads of angels that are accompanying uh, the Lord of hosts. This is His entourage. This is uh, the company of the seraphim. Tens of thousands and tens of thousands of angels. And you see the same picture in Revelation chapter 5. It's, it's just not a little throne that's uh, in heaven and a few that are gathered around the throne. No, there are myriads and thousands and tens of thousands. And part of those myriads and part of those thousands and tens of thousands are the angels that are gathered around the throne. And the angels sing in a great choir and in a great chorus. 
And it's as though there are a couple of choirs. Uh, one choir with uh, a myriad of angels and another choir with another myriad of angels. And one choir cries out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the other choir responds by saying, The whole earth is full of His glory. And the heavens themselves reverberate with the sound of the praise of the angels as they gather around the throne. Irma and I, uh, while we were still in Pittsburgh, uh, had the pleasure more than once of uh, hearing uh, the Pittsburgh Symphony. And uh, uh, on the occasion uh, when they gathered for uh, their Christmas concert, uh, they had a great choir of hundreds uh, that uh, were playing uh, singing with the symphony. And, uh, of course, on that occasion, uh, they would end their concert with the Hallelujah Chorus. And the symphony would play and the choir would sing. And then they invited the audience of thousands to rise and to sing together with the Hallelujah Chorus. And the whole auditorium would just reverberate with the hallelujahs that were sung. And this is the scene Friends in heaven, it's it's a glorious scene as the angels, myriads and myriads, gather around the throne. Heaven is in praise to the great God of heaven, and the foundations. Verse twenty or verse four says, "And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of Him who called out." And you can read it. The the thresholds of the temple trembled at the sound of the voice of the choir that uh, was calling out, Holy, Holy, Holy. Uh, and uh, you can imagine uh, being caught up in that scene. Uh, there's only one human response possible uh, having been caught up in that scene, uh, which is given in verse 5. Then I said, Woe is me! I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me! The curse has come upon me because I am unclean. I am a man of unclean lips and I am ruined. I am destroyed. I am a dead man. And of course... Uh, when you reflect on it, uh, Isaiah must have been thinking about the fact that uh, the uh, earlier texts of the Bible indicate no man has seen God and lives. It's not possible uh, to actually see God and live. If you're an unbeliever and you see God in the final judgment, you are cast into eternal perdition. You die. And if you see God and are transformed, the old man is condemned and is condemned to death. And you and I must realize that this is the case. And so this is the position of Isaiah. Woe is me, for I am ruined, for my eyes have seen the King, the King, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all the heavenly hosts, the Lord who is over all the universe and every individual and every being that exists in the universe. This is the King of all. And I have seen Him. 
Woe is me, because I am a man of unclean lips. And it's not just the lips over which the words of our mouths pass, which is in consideration here. Because you know and I know that out of the depths of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's not just the lips and it's just not the tongue and it's not just the mouth that is unclean. It's the heart that is unclean. And this is what Isaiah is sensing. Having seen the glory of God and standing in the presence of the King, Isaiah senses the depth of his own depravity. And he confesses along with this, I live among a people of unclean lips. I live in a fallen world. I live in a world where the hearts of men and women and young people and children are ugly and depraved. And Isaiah is overcome and staggers at the thought. I've told this story before, but it bears repeating, I think, that a good friend of ours whose mother lady friend whose mother was suffering from dementia needed to be placed in a rest home where she could have better care. And this lady friend, a dear sister in Christ, took her mother to a well-known rest home in eastern Pennsylvania and when she returned, we inquired as to how things went. And she said they went well. We got mother placed in her new quarters without difficulty. But I was astonished that while we were there, I could not believe the filth that came out of her mouth. Why? I know my mother's a Christian. And my response was simple. When all the normal constraints in our lives are taken away, we have no idea of the filth and depravity that can suddenly belch 
out of our own hearts. This is why I've said in other contexts, I would say I'm only point zero 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 one percent sanctified. Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King. The Lord of hosts. But then Christ commissions his forgiveness. Verses six and seven. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is forgiven. The seraphim would not launch on their own out on a mission but would only go forth at the commission of the Savior, of the Lord of glory Himself. And so we may rightly suppose that this seraphim, at the direction of the Lord, goes to the altar of incense. Remember now, this is a vision. A vision of the temple and a vision that extends from heaven into the precincts of the temple on earth. And this seraphim at the commission of Jesus Christ comes and with tongs takes a coal from the altar of incense. It's a burning coal. And the fire uh, for that altar of incense has already come from the altar of burnt offering in the outer court of God. And that fire on the altar of burnt offering was a fire that was ignited by God Himself when the tabernacle was dedicated. And the first offerings on that altar were consumed by God as He lit that fire. And that fire was to be perpetuated. And the fire on the altar of incense was the fire from that altar of burnt offering. The altar of atonement. The altar with the fire of cleansing. And now, the angel takes tongs and grasps one of the coals from that altar of incense and places it in his hands. It must have been an angel. And he carries that coal to Isaiah. 
And Isaiah says, He touched my mouth with it. Had to be in a vision. And in this vision, caught up with the glory of God. The fire of cleansing is brought to the lips of Isaiah. And as we've already indicated, it's not just the lips that are cleansed. It's not just the mouth that's washed out. It's the heart. The heart that's changed. The heart that's cleansed. It's the heart of the matter that the mouth, in this case, represents. He touched my mouth with that coal. And He said, Behold! Behold! Take note of this! Take note of this, Isaiah! This has touched your lips. Your iniquity, your sin, your guilt is taken away. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is forgiven. Atonement has been made for your sin. And on the basis of a sacrifice that would be carried out over 750 years later on the cross, on the basis of that sacrifice, the Lord of glory sends a seraphim and says, your sins are forgiven. Your guilt is taken away. Atonement has been made. And now, as we sit together, even this evening, friends, as we are together, we should be able to testify that the same applies to us. on the basis, not of a future sacrifice, but on the basis of a sacrifice that has already taken place. Your sins are taken away. Your guilt is removed. Payment has been made. Behold your King. Behold your King who is high and lifted up. And His robes fall from heaven all around you and me. And the seraphim are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sight of the King, you and I may tremble. And you and I may sense the depth of our own sin and the depth of our own depravity. 
But Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, condescends to stoop low and come to you and say to you, your sins are forgiven. There is no more guilt. Atonement has been made. Behold your King. And as I said at the outset, the application is find your rest and safety in Him. Most of you know that I spent some time in the the army chaplaincy. And uh, part of the time was in a wonderful assignment in South Vietnam, where I was a battalion chaplain. And for a time, uh, in the brigade uh, uh, that our battalion was a part of, uh, there were two other battalions, uh, for a time I was the only chaplain uh, in the brigade. And so I would travel uh, extensively around the countryside. And uh, I remember uh, very well one uh, day going to the uh, brigade headquarters to the uh, Tactical Operations Center uh, to talk to uh, the men that were there and to look at the map, uh, the big map that was on the wall that showed where all the units were located. And uh, I did that so I could determine uh, uh, the most efficient way to spend my time to visit troops uh, in the field. And uh, while I was there examining the map, uh, one of the officers there said, Chaplain, uh, where have you been? And he was asking about the previous days. And so I I pointed out on the map uh, where uh, I had been. Uh, All of this was uh, south of Saigon on the uh, north edge of the Mekong Delta. And uh, when I pointed out on the map... uh, uh, where I had been, uh, this uh, officer who was a senior in rank to me said, Chaplain, I would never go down there without two or three companies of men, you know, uh, which would have been several hundred. Uh, I never thought about it. Uh, truly, uh, this is the case. And I kind of wonder at this time, uh, were you so foolish? Uh, but uh, at the time, I, I never thought about it. Because it was actually the case that as I drove in a Jeep and had a driver who carried an M16 rifle with him, that's how we were armed. Chaplains are non-combatants, so they don't carry arms. That's how we were armed. We traveled all over the countryside. And I can truly say, I found my rest and safety in Jesus Christ the Lord. And He never failed. He never failed. And so, getting a glimpse this evening into the precincts of heaven, 
and getting a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. Or we might put it this way, a glimpse of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And how good He actually is to stoop low to our needs. I encourage you, dear friends, behold your King. Behold your King and find your rest and safety in Him. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You that You're good to us in every respect. We're glad to be servants of the King. And although uh, we are unworthy in so many respects, You have been pleased to stoop down and lift us up and take us into Your service. And as this is the case, uh, we pray together that we will always, our great God, find our rest and safety in Jesus Christ as He is revealed to us as the great King of all. Thank You that this is Your purpose and that this is Your will. And thank You that since this is the case, You hear us in this prayer. And we are grateful to You In the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, amen.